Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, February 11th, 2024. My name is Melanie C., a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in Canby, Oregon. The share ID numbers for Friday, February 9th, 2024, are the following. The 7 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study share ID number is 21118, 21,118. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study meeting, this share ID number is 21119, 21,119. This morning, A Vision for You presents Relationships, God, and the 12 Steps. Today, we have the privilege of welcoming a speaker whose journey through the morass of the addiction of compulsive overeating has led to profound insights into the nature of relationships, both with oneself and with others. The big book of Alcoholics Anonymous on page 52 talks about the bedevilment, and it delves deep into the heart of the compulsive overeater struggling with and painting a picture, a true picture of the challenges we all face the extreme strife, unrest, and turbulence in personal relationships, the battle to control emotional natures, and the haunting presence of misery, depression, and fear that all leads to disconnect. It speaks to the core of our, of our being and highlighting the pervasive sense of uselessness and unhappiness that previously dominated our lives, leaving us feeling truly, truly detached and disconnected, not just from the people around us, but from the essence of our true self. And if I can't have a relationship with self, I have a relationship with no one, especially power. Our honored speaker, special in nature, for this session of A Vision for You Sunday Special Edition, has taken this personal journey whose recovery offers not just hope, but a tangible path to transformation for anyone grappling with compulsive overeating and these bedevilments. Our guest speaker has not only found recovery through the diligent application of the 12 steps, but has also experienced profound improvements in all of her relationships, a testament to the power of these principles of 12 steps in action. Compulsive overeating, much like, addic- much like any addiction, leaves us battling a host of bedevilments as vividly described on page 52 of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. These include feelings of uselessness, self-pity, and a deep sense of despair, mentioning most importantly our difficulty with relationships. Our speaker was was, was no stranger to these struggles, living in the shadow of isolation that addiction so often casts over our lives. Yet through her unwavering commitment to the 12-step process, she has emerged not just a survivor, but as the promise of the hope that we all seek in recovery. In her journey, steps 10, 11, and 12 have been pivotal. Daily living in step 10 with its spot check inventory allowed her to maintain her spiritual house cleaning, promptly admitting wrongs, and thereby avoiding the accumulation of resentments and regrets. Step 11, deepening the spiritual practice, cultivating a moment-by-moment communion and communication with a power which has been the single most transformative measure in recovery and enhancing emotional and spiritual sobriety. Perhaps most inspiring is how the practice of Step 12, embracing this process eagerly and enthusiastically with a passion and strong desire for guiding fellows, connecting with people, through the same process that has been instrumental in restoring relationship with all fellows around. This act of 
of giving back, of carrying the message to those still suffering, is the essence of relationship and recovery. It's through this service that it's found the continual renewal and the assurance that relationships, perhaps once damaged or lost, the disease of compulsive overeating can be restored, even flourish. Her story is a powerful reminder that being in fit spiritual condition is not nearly about abstaining from compulsive behaviors. It's about an inner transformation that radiates outward, affecting every aspect of our lives, including and most especially our relationship with others. Through service and the working of the 12 steps, our speaker has undergone a profound change, one that has brought peace, purpose, and connection back into her life. So as we welcome her to the platform today to share her experience, strength, and hope, let's open our hearts and our minds to this message that she brings, a message of recovery, renewal, and the promise of restored relationships through the timeless principles of the 12 steps. Please join me in giving a very warm, enthusiastic welcome to our special guest, Elena C. from South Carolina. Good morning, Elena. Good morning, Melanie. Well, you just said all my speech. (laughs) Okay. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Elena C. And I am a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from South Carolina. Um, Start with the reading of um, tomorrow's tomorrow's, uh, talk for the day uh, from our OA uh, reader called For Today. It says, love is above all, the gift of oneself. In order to give the gift of myself, I need to see how I have been avoiding it. There are two ways of doing this. One is to feel that I'm worth nothing, that no one would want me. The other is to make it clear that you ought to recognize how wise I am and follow my advice. Both are protective shells. Neither is the best I can give. Giving of myself means giving quality time, listening to another without thinking of what I will say next, listening without giving advice, listening with energy and care, listening so intently as to forget myself. It is in that instant that I give myself to another. And for today, does someone need the gift of myself? I have the ability to give it regardless of how I feel. And that is just beautiful and ties in with the topic for today. What inspired me to give a presentation about relationships in our program was the fact that to this day, I'm still very challenged by them. And I'm sure nobody here is related to that, right? And you know, I can tell everybody that that is okay. It's okay to struggle in relationships. They're very hard. I want to give you a short background history. I was born in a small town in Carpathian Mountain, Transylvania, Romania. We were a small and close community. Everybody knew everybody. David felt very, very safe. Now imagine with me the beautiful mountains with their majestic presence covered by seasonal and evergreen trees that would lose their colorful leaves in the fall when the ground would be covered by them. This mountain touched a blue sky. 
And sometimes white clouds would move slowly. Sometimes gray clouds would drop rain that would create a sound of peace and relaxation. Now, sometimes there would be thunder. And at those times, I would be startled and would fearfully pay attention to that, to the sound of the thunder and the light. Then I would all, it will all be gone and the blue sky would appear again, almost just to say it is all good. In the winter, it would be snowing and the ground would be covered by this sparkling blank. I would find there and then the playful wonder and innocence of my childhood years. At times the snow would be very high and you would have to clear it as though God would say, beware and take action. You will get to be able to create a path that would connect you to family and friends once again. I had no idea that was the experience of God of my childhood. And I invite you to go back to those memories, to those beautiful times when you had this experience of safety and God. The awareness of my higher power while growing up was shaped by the teaching of the beliefs of the religion in which I was raised. Although that religion, and I think every religion that I know, preached friendship, camaraderie, love and compassion, it made me believe in a judgmental nature of God. That belief brought about a frightful energy within and around me. It is because of the 12 steps that I was able to redefine and embrace the true nature, the permanent nature of a compassionate God. Big Book is what helped me the most to make peace with the religion of my childhood. <clears throat> In chapter We Agnostic, which is a chapter dedicated to step two of recovery, at page 49, we find we who have traveled this dubious path beg you to lay aside prejudice, even against organized religion. We have learned that whatever the human frailties of various faiths may be, those faiths have given purpose and direction to millions. People of faith have a logical idea of what life is all about. We have observed that many spiritually minded persons of all races, colors, and creeds were demonstrating a degree of stability, happiness, and usefulness, <clears throat> which we should have sought ourselves. And, you know, think about that. If you are still struggling with that, with the religions in the world, please find Please find what religions are helping people today. I saw people around me when younger who believed and reached those faiths. Just for me, that never hit home. This paragraph helped me to have a good accepting relationship with the religion of my youth. 
And I'm very grateful for that because I would have carried that prejudice against that. And, you know, I would have problems with people who embraced those religions. One year ago, I got a chance to go back to that religion as I found my Romanian ties around churches. Because in USA, Romanian community and other minorities communities is around churches. I still do not relate to many of those teachings. However, everyone there believes in happiness, usefulness, and mutual respect. I now call this higher power of mine, God, or divinity, or nature, or spirit, but it doesn't matter the name of it. It is an energy within and around me that gives me hope, safety, and heals my body and my mind. I love the fact that I could freely chose my conception of God. Because if somebody here would have told me, this is what you need to believe in with my personality, I would have run the other way. I was able to enter in a relationship with God based on positive values that helped me heal the religious burdens of my early years. I had religious trauma. That was called religious trauma, right? This program is spiritual, not religious. Thank you, God. As made it clear by Bill W. Bill W. said, I could settle for the spirit of nature, but I resisted the notion of the Tsar of the universe. Now, he was an agnostic. He had issues with religion. I will be forever grateful for that distinction. I had many other experiences of God while growing up that I recognize them now and I had no idea that's what it was. One of these experiences being feeling loved by both of my parents. The experience and giving of love is God. There are two powerful events that I I would like to share with you as I believe they shaped my personality and my functioning in relationships in my life. So one of them, my 10-year-old sister was popular and talented, and I remember she was playing the guitar and singing on the stage. I might have been three or four. I recall everyone's attention was on her, And I remember the feeling of being alone, abandoned, that was extremely painful. Now, when she would stop singing, here's how I coped. After the applause, I would shout from the crowd, from the top of my lungs, hey, this is me, your sister, for a change. And the room would burst into laughter. The laughter was for me, after all. Another event was in my third grade at the end of the school year. We would walk in front of everyone to honor the achievements of that year, like the grades received, mainly what was the grades um, that they praised back then. Well, that year, as opposed to previous years, I did not walk with those who had old A's. 
but I walked with a second round of kids who received some bees, and I didn't like that. My mother was um, there, and I saw sadness in her eyes, this profound sadness. Now, my mom was an adult child of an alcoholic. She's still alive, bless her heart. I love her. She also suffered with depression. I did not know back then that that's what it was. I remember to these days that I walked to her and I said, Mom, I would never be the second ever again. My mom smiled and I started to believe that being the first good at everything I do would make her happy. And then for that matter, it would make other people happy. It was me who could make other people happy. Here are two fundamental beliefs that got deep ingrained into my being, which I carried with me into adulthood. Number one was, I need to work hard, very, very hard to overcome my loneliness and sense of abandonment and get recognition. And number two, I have the power to make other people happy and I can as a result of my achievements, to boil it down, <clears throat> what that meant was I'm at the center of my own universe, their universe also, and I exaggerated my significance or my importance in the world. I became extremely self-sufficient and powerful, and my wild will run riot began to run out. And my will brought about my selfishness, self-centeredness, and as Big Boo says, selfishness and self-centeredness is at the root of our troubles. Without the 12 steps, I could have never grown for that. Sure enough, I would have remained stuck in that belief. My food addiction was clear, was not physical in nature only, but was also emotional. There's two components. And then, of course, spiritual. The first memories of compulsive overeating were when my mother would cook my favorite cake and fudge. I was connected with her while devouring her cooking and baking, which I equated with her love for me. I experienced the elusive effect of my triggering foods. And both, there were two components here, happiness and a yummy, pleasurable taste in my mouth. Another powerful memory of my compulsive overeating was after I lost my sister at the age of 16. At that time, her grieving husband gave me a big box of chocolates. And because I wanted him to know how much I liked his gift so that I can make him happy, so then I can make him like me, I ate the entire box of chocolates in a few minutes. In that box of chocolates, 
I also ate my grief over the loss of my sister. Now, that grief was so overwhelming that I could have never survived it otherwise. I started to use the food to numb my overwhelming emotions. And when numbing these emotions and eating to numb it triggered the phenomenon of craving. Now, let me get to the topic of today, relationships. The dictionary describes relationship as the way in which two or more concepts, objects, or people are connected, are connected, or the state of being connected, the experience of being with one another, the way in which two or more people or groups regard or behave towards each other. Now, regard means, what does regard mean? My thoughts, beliefs about something or someone. I can regard, I can have a thought about someone, even if they do not know me. For example, I have a thought, you know, a regard about politicians, or I can have a thought about money. That means I enter in a relationship with money. And money is another touchy subject for me today. And it comes and goes. And meaning I can have a relationship with something and someone even when they are not with me. Interesting, right? I can entertain thoughts about them in their absence. And as a result, I can actually make choices in my life if I do that. I believe that the 12 steps in the big book emphasize and help transform what? Relationships with food, relationship with God, relationship with ourselves, and relationship with other people, places, or things. For us who have an addiction, our recovery ultimately means not to stop eating compulsively. Food is just a solution. It's not about the food. Recovery from this disease of addiction is the healing of the relationships that are important to our lives. Now, let me talk about food. During the overwhelming task that I placed upon myself to overcome my food addiction, I got into a love and hate relationship with food, push and pull, black and white. I believe that I can get enough knowledge from learning about dieting and have enough willpower to eat in a way that will ultimately help me to lose weight and not get fat. The goal was not spiritual in nature. It, it had to do with my powering will. What else I believe? Well, I believe that I can get enough knowledge and willpower to make relationships happen the way it suited me or how I thought I needed them to happen. So then I can get to feel loved, connected, reassured, safe, not devalued. 
because otherwise I would have felt very, very bad about myself. In the process, I believe I took people hostages. The person or situation at the receiving end had to follow my, my simple rules of conduct. So here's the beauty of step one. I not only am powerless over food, but also over my thoughts, my beliefs, my actions, my feelings, over people, over places and things. I'm powerless over myself, over my experience of God. Learning about the allergy of the body, in doctor's opinion, assisting me to surrender to my food obsession, it helped me to stop blaming myself. It just started with that, you know, not feeling the shame. Big Book says the body of an alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. The issue lies in this phenomenon, which is suggested is the manifestation of an allergy, which differentiates these people and sets them apart as a distinct entity. Without this explanation, I would have never stopped believing that diets do not work for me and that when I'm into food, my will does nothing. My will prolongs my suffering, as a matter of fact. I heard in one of the meetings, and I will always remember it, that step one is the war is over, and luckily, I lost. I lost the war. I lost the war with everything. You know, and I said to myself, are you kidding me? You know, I worked so hard to come here. It, it took me so long and it was so impossible to come here. And now you're telling me that I'm a loser. Oh, no. Losing the war is living. In step one, I cease to fight everything and everyone. I need to what? I need to surrender. What does surrender mean? The dictionary says surrender is to cease resistance to an enemy or opponent and submit to their authority to capitulate or to give in. Would you have, have me do that before this 12 step? Hell no. Somehow the harder it got when I tried to master my food and relationship in my life, the harder I tried. When it got even harder, there was no way for me to, to have an aha moment or an oh moment. It was actually a challenge that told me to try even more this time better because somehow at the end of this struggle at the end of this struggle there is a need to arrive because i can win and if i win my pain is lessened and my loneliness gone that's what i believe in and just like in the big book that says i think big bill w says liquor is to be a luxury, it became a necessity. 
My resistance became a necessity, just like food. I needed to resist this. I needed to. And resistance, I believe, actually, no, a resistance does make my power lessen because I really thought that resistance gives me power. And power is an illusion, isn't it? What do I need to do then? Well, like Big Boo says, I relax and take it easy. I do not struggle. And the right answers will come if I don't struggle and if I want it. And I can be reborn. Oh, my God. Reborn. In step two, what do I do? I come to believe I dare to believe something different, that there is an entity who will help me to view my role in relationships in my life in a different perspective, as well as their role in relationships with me. Chapter We Agnostic is dedicated to step two. Page 46 says, we found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all men, meaning all people in my life have the capacity to have God, but maybe they're just not there, and that is okay. Another beautiful paragraph in the big book, page 55, we were fooling ourselves, for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. And I can find the great reality deep within me and others. This helps me to perceive human beings as people who have good in them and find my gratitude towards those I encounter in my daily life, even if I did not initially believe it. More so, what the only more so that the only entity who can transform my perspective of others, or for that matter, their perspectives of me, is a power much greater than myself. In step three, I need to return, I need to turn towards this power. I need to turn over to this power, my old beliefs, my will, my arrogance, and I need to embrace a new beginning that God will show me what is good and healthy for me because my knowledge of what is good and healthy for me is wrong. My knowledge of what is good and healthy for others is also wrong. Now, that is something huge, isn't it? And what does that mean? My ego needs to be smashed, my very ego. And listen, we're so fortunate in this frame because this simple statement, this simple task is extremely difficult, very, very hard, I believe, to accomplish. To smash my own ego that I have used for so 
long can be absolutely unimaginable and threatening to me. It's like, God, I will not offer my ego to you. There's no way. It's a threat. It's a threat to my identity or to my sense of self. Yet it is this very test that it will save my life. I really believe that I was dying due to my false sense of power in relationships that I needed to happen. Dying because of that, not only due to an active food addiction. Once I got my higher power in the first three steps, I need to look at myself. In step four, I check myself of resentment, selfishness, self-seeking, dishonesty, and fear, as we know. Also checking myself in sex relations. I start the process of becoming honest. I believe that working on the first three steps is also the beginning of my honesty. It becomes clear I have no power, absolutely none, in anything, but there is a power whom can and will work in my life. This power will heal my addictive brain and transform the ways I relate to others if I just look at myself. What else is being revealed in step four? What did I do as a result of these resentments and fears and my selfishness and my dishonesty? What did I think? What did I do? It's not the feelings necessarily, although we do look at the feeling. It is what I do, what I believe, what I think as a result of these feelings. Because I hurt not only myself, but I hurt others. Well, the others have not let me down because I let myself down, step four reveals. Although I was triggered by some things people were doing to me, I could have done it differently. Now, people were not doing it to me. They were just doing it, and I happened to be there. But certainly enough, my grandiosity really believed that they did it to me. In step five, God guides me to progress in my honesty and spiritual healing. I have a non-judgmental, loving, and compassionate God. Does I need not fear? I take action to once again have an awareness of myself. Does deepen in my honesty. Get clean with God. <clears throat> and then dare to share my vulnerability with my sponsor. And my sponsor is amazing. And, you know, it took me time to trust her. I had some fear about sharing with my sponsor, but in spite of my fear, I really needed to make a decision to have the courage necessary to share with her. Because <clears throat> courage is not the absence of fear, it's acting in spite of the fear. It's like, you know, walking the path with a fear in my, in my hand in hand with my fear. Right? And, you know, my sponsor was amazing and was non judgmental. The beauty 
of step four and five for me was that I got a non-judgmental accepting relationship with my character defects. And that would and and that will help me to have a non-judgmental relationship with other people's character defects. Interesting, right? If I don't accept myself for who I am, I can never accept you for who you are. Now, is that all or nothing, a one-time thing? Is, is that a perfect thing that I need to do one time and then I never again have to do it? No. I need to work at this every single day. I will never graduate from this work. Even at times, I like to get my PhD in it. Getting close to God is a lifetime task. So now I know many things about me. Now, what do I do? Certainly at times, I want to see how I might get rid of them. I want to get rid of them. How can I get rid of them? Well, step say does not have to work that way. There's a different way. And so further, step six, all I need to do is pause and call upon, once again, my amazing higher power. I can say things like, higher power, here I am at this time, and I can, I need to do absolutely nothing but pause. I need to stay still, not alone, because I'm with God. And I'm inviting you, God, I'm inviting you in my stillness. In my relationships, I practice this step when I listen to others. And we had a special edition um, last Sunday that talked about the way we listen to others. Sometimes or many times, I hear the voice of my higher power. I hear the voice of their higher power. And I become present. I meet God in today, in the present time. Deep, true listening and attempting to hear and understand what others are saying is an experience of connecting with their own higher power. I grow so much from that beautiful connection. Interesting enough, even when even from the connections with people I do not necessarily like or those I feel they have nothing to teach me. And, you know, recovery helps me with that. Recovery helps me with learning from someone, learning from everyone I come into contact with. I even learn from their wrongs, people's wrongs towards me. In step seven, I make a decision to trust once again and humbly ask higher power to transform parts of me who blocked me and isolated me from my very relationship with God and others. I need to be humble. I need to show a modest or low estimate of my importance to lower in dignity and recognize I need help. Humility is a gift from my higher power. Humility is the opposite of my self 
righteousness. It means allowing others to have a saying in some matters, to have a point of view, not argue with them, but to just understand their point of view without me necessarily prove my point of view. I don't need to have an appointment. I don't need to have uh, an opinion about, I don't need to have an opinion all the time. There is a lot of acceptance of others in the practice of humility. What this step does not say, what does it not say? It doesn't say that God will make all of my character defects disappear. So never again I will experience pain because I certainly want to never again experience pain. I don't do pain when I'm not with God. Remove, removal means, I believe, setting them aside, setting this character defects aside and with the hope that God will transform them. Spiritual healing in the steps is a transformation. Bill W. himself talks about that. In step eight, I pause again and bring God into my stillness, to my very being. God will help me reflect on those people, particularly those dear to me, whom I hurt. And God reveals, and I get spiritually healthier and healthier. God reveals, I promise you. In step nine, I take more action and God continues to help me. The action is to repair my broken relationship, to speak to people in my life about what I have done or said that cause them harm because surely What else I need to do? I need to let God to the universe. I need to let God and I to release to the universe their actions towards me that cause me harm. My recovery is possible without their taking responsibility for their own faults. I promise you that too. Contrary to my past beliefs, only in this way I could forgive them I can forgive myself, and I can feel ultimately in my heart God's forgiveness. Step 10 is cleaning of the house. It's cleaning of the house daily. It is actually, this is how I practice it, a re-experience of the succession of steps 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. This step helps me on a daily basis to practice the tools of healing my relationship and does my very existence. Now, the prayer meditation from step 11 are extremely important and are also daily tools to live a fulfilling relational life. Prayer is talking to God, to my fellows, to myself. I mean, what, what comes out of my mind? What, what comes out of my mouth? Meditation is simply listening to God, to myself and to my fellows. And it means something else. Moreover, it means hearing the message. To me, the message comes in the form of signals. 
signals from the universe, from my higher power. My higher power places the signals in or around me, and these signals guide me to make decisions that are good for my relationships. And everything that I do, I need only to pray for God's will in my relationships. I need to say, God, show me what is your will for me in parenting. Should I, should I not marry this man? Should I and respond or should I just stay quiet? And so forth. Big book says we pause when agitated. We pause when doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. And trust that the right answers come after I, after I try this for a while. The practice of this will bring up we bring up lots of answers. They really do. They come not when I might want them to, but when the time comes, thus I need to be patient because the time will come. I know that. Step 12 is about helping others. Big Book says helping others is the foundation stone of our recovery. We're alive today because the first alcoholics needed to find other alcoholics to help to recover. And I wouldn't be here with, with you today if that didn't happen because that is how our program grows. Bill W. in the letter about emotional sobriety called New Frontiers, and Melanie talked about that. So Bill W. talks about how we can achieve emotion, how we cannot achieve emotional sobriety as long as we place dependence upon other people in front of dependence on God. Ultimately, dependence on God can be achieved when I am in service to my fellows, humans, as I get out of my finite self and fulfill a higher purpose. Now this Getting out of myself helped Bill W. deal with his depression. Without the previous steps, I helped others in a way that was not helpful to them at all. And I lost myself in the process. I helped others without a sense of self. Sponsoring other compulsive overeaters is essential. Sponsoring the other compulsive overeater is essential in this step because our community, like I said, needs to grow. And I know you would agree with that. I cannot practice my recovery, spirituality, without you. But it's not only about sponsoring. It is about the way I engage with others, the way I am with others in my life. With the healing presence of my higher power, what can I, how can I be? I can be kind, compassionate, fair, realistic. I can perceive the reality for what it is, not for the way I want it to be. Not so much when I am by myself without God. I want to talk a little bit about my daughter. Now, I adore that girl. She's my only daughter. The biggest challenge in parenting is still for me to keep up with her growth and transformation. 
when she was young, she was hardly spirited. She's an adolescent now. She's shy, but I do know that the high-spirited child is within her, and she has a strong will, and, you know, she does not take after, after her mom at all, right? Sometimes I need to do a step 10 about my resentment and fear towards her almost every day. My fear, <laughs> interesting enough, is that I would lose her to her dad. God helps me direct my attention to what he or she wants me to be in relationship with her or wants me to do in relationship with her. Do not take things personally. Learn from her. Learn from, my, from a four-year-old. I did. And, I, and once God wants me to become the best mother to her I can be. And even as a mother, I'm not that powerful. Her growth and success in life is in the hands of higher power of her own understanding. And when I stay curious, <clears throat> curiosity is a gift from my higher power, I found. So when I stay curious, I can definitely see the work of God in her. I can see her becoming a woman whom I could have never shaped on my own, ever. She needs me to step out of the way and turn her over to the spirit of the universe that's within and around her. I also want to talk a bit about my partner. I often find myself resistant and reactive when he's trying to help me. The old character defect of self-will takes over. <clears throat> but the beauty is that I can see that today. And God helps me to see his good intention. He's not saying, Elena, you know, you do not know this and that. And therefore, I know. And that's why I'm helping you. And does I'm superior to you. No, he doesn't say that. He simply cares and wants to participate in things that I might struggle with. He's a wonderful yet flawed man who at times vents. And what do I do when he vents? I notice that when he vents and talks about his worries, I want to talk him out of them. But that makes me superior to him. And I can see that too. God wants me to try to understand and have compassion for his worries and apprehension, gifts for my higher power. And that is enough. It's as simple as that. Can I keep my mouth shut? That is majority of times the only thing I need to do. I need to let everyone and everybody in my life to embark in their own spiritual journey with their higher power of their own understanding because I'm no better or worse than anyone. My partner is no better than me. I am no better than him. We both are equal in the face of God. God directs our love for each other, the way we are with each other, the way we help each other. God has a will for us in our connection. Now, he's not in recovery. So perhaps he experiences our connection and God's in a different way than I do. But deep within him, 
is the fundamental idea of God. And I can never forget that. So I helped others codependently. And without God, I always will help others codependently. And I will base my self-worth on how others are going to like me or not. But no, that's not so today. So with the tells, with the beautiful recovery from the 12 steps, I can help others. Through, and through my own example of recovery, I can maybe inspire them or maybe not. It all boils down to as simple as I need to continue over and over again to let the people go. And let me end by just <clears throat> saying this beautiful poem from 12-step prayer book of, um, yeah, 12-step prayer book that I have. As children bring their broken toys with tears for us to mend, I brought my broken dreams to God because God is my friend. But then instead of learning, instead of leaving God in peace to work alone, I hung around and tried to help with ways that were my own. At last, I snatched them back and cried. How can you be so slow? My child, God said, what can I do? You never did let go. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for listening. I'll let Melanie take over. Oh, thank you very much. How thorough and wonderful it was listening to this this morning. Elena, what a fabulous, fabulous delivery today. Thank you for your gift of experience, strength, and hope, and digging into the steps for the transformation that you have experienced, knowing that it's a promise for every one of us. Thank you, Elena. It was wonderful. We're going to ask Elena C. for her contact information at the conclusion of this meeting. So stay with us for that and listen at the very end after the recording has stopped. The share ID number for today, Sunday, February 11th, 2024, is 21123, 21,123. You'll be able to listen to this presentation again. It was packed with things that you might want to go back and bullet point to re-listen to. So, Elena. The lines are now open for questions. If you have a question this morning for Elena, please unmute your phone by pressing star one on your phone keypad. Offer your no, first name, the first letter of your last name, and your state, and then immediately upon asking your question, would you please press star one again to mute your line to keep it nice and quiet? Who would like to ask a question this morning? I heard voices already. Mary Lee R. Hey, Jane. I got Arvin. Mary Lee R. Uh-huh. Thanks, Mary Lee. Good morning. Laura L. And Diane I have Diane B. B. Uh -huh, gotcha. Uh-huh. Thanks. Anybody else? Let's go with that three. Let's get this going, huh, Elena? We'll start, and then we'll have it open again in just a moment. Mary Lee, your question this morning. Star one. And then Lauren will follow you. Good morning, Laura, Ellen, And Elena, and wow. Um... Are there times when it's harder for you to let go of the story? I, I just was so impressed with the inner and outer work, but 
are there still times when when you just want to change the story instead of go with the flow? Does that make sense, I hope? Oh, sure. Well, you know, the good news for me and you is that although there is, and maybe sometimes on a daily basis, but see, the thing is, that's not the issue. The issue comes for me when I just go my old ways, um, go with my old ways. And when my will takes over and, you know, when I struggle and so, and I really believe that I don't struggle because I didn't, it, that I struggle because I didn't invite God, but I believe that I struggle because I didn't do things right. So the good news is that um, I have the tools of the program. I have the 12 steps of recovery. And then if it takes long, I just need to practice these tools longer. Step 10, 11, and 12. 10, 11, and 12. I have a God squad. And so whenever I do, whenever I need to do step 10, which is, check myself of resentment, selfishness, dishonesty, self-seeking, and fear, <clears throat> I take, I do a 10-step, and I give it away to other people. And, um, and then I turn my attention onto somebody else I could help. So getting out of myself by helping others is the release of my struggles, is the going with the, means I go with the flow. Why? Because troubles in my life, when I help others, are not as important. And with that, I'll pass. I hope it help, it answers your question. Thank you very much, Mary Lee R. from Oregon. Next up is Laura L. from Connecticut, followed by Diana. I mean, Diane. <laughs> Thanks so much, Melanie. Hi, Elena. It's so good to hear you this morning. Um, just loved everything you said. Thank you. Um, quick question. So can you talk more about how you built the relationship with yourself um, and how that related to building your relationship with your higher power, meaning forgiving yourself, trusting yourself, loving yourself, and how that um, happened with building the relationship with your higher power and step work. Thanks so much, Elena. Sure. sure. And uh, you fly over here so we can have a one-day discussion about that. <laughs> All right. Well, 12 steps of recovery. What do they do? Surrender. Letting go. Okay. I'm not that powerful. That is the beginning of relationship with me because I drove myself crazy when I really thought I have the power to change something. Step two and three, I believe that there's something else outside of myself who can help me and I can just, you know, surrender and turn over my will that is the beginning of the relationship with God. And my relationship with God, a healthy relationship with God, will help relationship with myself. Then in step four, I have God and I can look at myself. In step five, I become honest and share about myself, my vulnerability, 
with God, with other people. And then I pause and I let God, you know, take over to heal me, to heal my character defects. And God does. And so I also need to make amends to those people I harmed. That is also helping relationship with myself. And then step 10, 11, and 12, 10, 11, and 12, the waltz of 10, 11, and 12. There was a waltz of 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3, the, wall, the waltz of 10, 11, and 12. Now, there's step for maintenance and grow that, you know, I could guarantee you that every day, if I practice those, I have, I love myself in a way that my higher power loves me now. Do I love myself all the time? No, that's not the end result of what I'm looking for because that's perfectionism. And perfectionism is another character defect that God has to heal. I do all of that the best I can because God tells me, all you could do is do the best I can. And when you struggle in the future, I'm still there for you. And that's an opportunity to grow even fur- further and love, you, love yourself more and love me more and love others more. And I hope that answers the question. Thank you. Thank you, Laura L., for your question this morning. Diane B. from New York, your question. And then we're going to open up for all others. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, Elena. This is Diane B., gratefully recovered in New York. Elena, I am honored to be a witness to your transformation and your growth, um, and I'm very grateful for that. I have a question, though, about uh, you had talked about you um, not feeling good enough, not being deserving, and I'm just curious as to how, like, what do you do or how did you overcome that? Can you address that, please? Sure. Thank you, Diane, for that question. I'm also honored that you were part of my journey. I really am. Well, I could turn over step one when those character those are character defects for me. And what do I do? And and but those are also feelings, all right? And truly, I am I'm not powerful. I mean, I I can't feelings will always be there because I'm human. So because of those feelings of low self-worth, of not doing well enough, I have thought and I behave a certain way. And I start with step one. I'm powerless of my feeling, thoughts over telling myself that I'm not good enough and I did not do well enough. And then practice the other 12 steps of recovery. I bring God into those feelings, into those thoughts, into, into those, you know, actions, because I, you know, I can hurt others when I have those, those feelings and those thoughts. And, you know, I believe that God can restore and transform those thoughts of mine, you know, and, you know, he or she surely did. And not all the time, not all the time, God let me do the best I can. Reminds me that I do the best I can. Even when I still have those thoughts, it's still the best I can do. And then work on those um, 
the other steps, the following steps of recovery, right, with God and with others, with this community. And then 12, step 12, you know, when I do step 12 and work with others, people tell me that they have the same thoughts, they, the same, you know, low self-worth, and they hold themselves responsible for many things. They didn't do well enough. And I hear about, about that, about where they are, and they validate for me where I am at times. And so I can relate, they can relate. And in that connection, connection that connection is um, connection also with my higher power. And, it's, and when I do that, that, those thoughts, they heal, they transform. Um, and then, you know, they won't transform forever. They won't transform perfectly. They will transform imperfectly. And I, I, and I hope that answers your question, Diane. Thank you. Thank you very much for your question. There's lots more time for questions. If you have one for Elaine this morning, press star one on your phone keypad, and we'll take your name down. Diane G. Diane B. Diane G. And who was that? Tony, is that what I heard? Mary Joanne C. B. Joanne B. Okay, that's what it was. Okay. And then somebody else. Mary, does that was Mary? Yes, Mary. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Thank you. Deborah M. Deborah Tony M. B. And Tony B. Let's see how we go with time, okay, ladies? And, and uh, we'll start out with uh, Diane G., then Joanne, then Mary, Deborah, and Tony. We'll see how time goes. Thanks a lot. Everyone else start one, please? Diane G., can you press star one? We're going to hear your yeah. question. Hi there. I'm Diane G., oh, yeah. a grateful recovery compulsive away from Canada. And Elena, thank you for your beautiful share. And I have a question about page 87. It says, be quick to see where religious people are right. And you're actually the first person who I've heard say you suffered from spiritual abuse. And that was mine too. For 19 years, I had to go to church to hear how... Um, this, I had the fear of God instilled in me, and at any moment he could strike me down dead. And so now, when I read that, be quick to see religious people are right, um, I, I have a problem with that. And I just think there should be some type of warning saying only if you can trust them. And I'm just wondering how you feel about that, that one line in the book. Like, um, What is that line again? It's may be quick to see where religious people are right. Should that, gotcha. not, come, should that not come with a warning? No. <laughs> so I want to make something clear um, to you, and thank you for that question. It's a beautiful question. I did not suffer from spiritual abuse. I suffered from religious abuse. They're two separate things. And so um, what I did was I found in the practice of that religion, in people who practice that religion and believe in that religion, what beautiful things they were doing 
to others and to me. And what they were doing, what they were saying is, you know, I'm your friend. I believe in sharing. You know, Nope, Elena, are you still there? We lost you. Diana, just I'm hang sorry, on for I got second. kicked oh, there out. You can are. you hear me? I, we can. Okay. Yep, there you are. Mm-hmm. So my Romanian community, um, like I said, is around churches, and they practice the religion of my upbringing. You know, and... If I dwell on, you know, they don't allow women in the sanctuary, so what is that all about? But I shift my attention onto gratitude. The gratitude for going back to there is that I get to experience the culture, my my beautiful culture that, you know, will be always safe to me. And I see that people love me, smile at me, you know. Um, they might be okay with the fact that women are not allowed in the sanctuary, but also they bring food and I can eat food and they can be my friends. They have compassion for me. So even if I did not like that religion, I can see now because of these 12 steps, the beauties. Because when I, you know, say myself, well, that is so wrong. Women are not allowed in the sanctuary. That's a prejudice. How do I know that? I don't know that. Now, that religion, you know, started when that was the culture at that time. Well, that's what the civilization was doing. Women were disempowered. So I can understand that. And um, so all I need to do, God wants me to direct my attention onto the gratitude the gratitude for those people, the gratitude of what the priest is saying, because, you know, the priest is, it has a beautiful speeches that will help me with my relationship with God. And, you know, I hope that answers your question. Thank you for that question. Thank you very much, Diane G. Next up is Joanne B. Your question, please, this morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, uh, my name is Joanne B. I'm from Vermont. Um, I'm a re- recovered um, overeater, compulsive overeater. Uh, Elena, thank you so much um, for your presentation. I got a lot out of it. Um, but one thing I'm wondering about is you talked about, and this is something that I, um, I, I'm working on is, is meditation and, and a conscious contact with God. And you talked about that uh, your messages from your higher power come as signals. I was just wondering if you could give give me an example of that. Thank you. Sure, sure. Okay, so I love that. Um, so meditation is not a one thing. It, 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 I don't do it one way. The way I do meditation is when I present pay attention to the present moment i was married and um you know i was in a difficult relationship and um i had no idea whether to to stay in that relationship or to to leave the relationship you know and i did not like that ambivalence you know 
that ambivalence, and I didn't practice the 12 steps. And, you know, I did not have gotten my ambivalence. In my ambivalence, my ambivalence was very painful. And so, you know, miraculously, my sponsor from um, Al-Anon, because I've been in Al-Anon for 20 years or so, told me her story, you know, and she said something like her um, minister at church told her, now kick that loser out of your home. Now, I, I wasn't going to do that, right? I wasn't going to do that. So, you know, that was a signal, I believe. But as I stay more, what else did I hear? One of my friends, my dear friends, um, talked about a difficult relationship in her life and talked about how she detached from that relationship. And she, she talked to me about everything that I need to do to lose that relationship. And, I mean, not to lose, to, to, to get out of that relationship, you know. And I heard other, some clients of mine also talked about that. So, so then God says, this is what you need to do. And, you know, I don't have to do it fast because when I, have, when I do it fast, I'm numb my pain. I do things fast without thinking because I don't want to suffer. I don't want to have feelings about that. But I need to have patience and I need to let God, you know, put those singles in my pad. And I need to pay attention. I paid attention to what other people were saying my Eleanor sponsor, my friend, my clients. And at one point it became clear that I need to let that relationship go. And I, I let that relationship go with love because we have, which is, was another signal from my higher power, um, because we have a daughter. And if I wouldn't have done that, you know, my daughter would be damaged today. So I hope, I hope that answers your question. Thank you. Thank yeah. Thank you very much, Joanne B. Thank let's you, Elena. See. Let's go on. Yeah, let's go on to Mary C. Your question, please, this morning for Elena. Can you hear me? Hi. Yeah, loud and clear. Okay, yeah. great. Okay, this is Mary C. from Ohio, and uh, a grateful recovering. Um, compulsive overeater. And thank you so much, Elena. That was just a beautiful share. And I hope I can get this question correct that you understand. And my question is, how do you transfer trying into willingness? Be totally willing to turn everything over to your higher power and, and giving up your self-will. That's my question. Okay. So the first three steps of recovery, the walls of one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. I am powerless over my will. I'm powerless over wanting to make things happen. You know, I might do that unconsciously because I don't even know unconsciously that that's the wrong things to do so I surrender to that as well and you know step 
do. Oh, and when I do that, I could totally see how my life becomes unmanageable. <clears throat> and since I have no power over that, there has to be some entity that can help me. Because step one, I'm powerless, but I'm not helpless. I love that. So step two, I come to believe that something for someone higher than me, someone who's not me, can heal that and can show me another way and can guide my steps to follow that way, not my way. Now, am I totally going to, you know, practice that? Well, perhaps it's, you know, like spiritual experience. Sometimes, you know, it is a spiritual experience, the spirit, spiritual experience of totally abandoning myself in that. But then I take it back. So it is an ongoing thing, and I need to go back to this beautiful step that saved my life today because I was dying to make things happen my way. I was. I was so stressed out. I had anxiety, you know? So I hope that answers your question. Thanks. Thank you very much, Mary C., for your question. Next up is Deborah M. Your question, please, this morning. Deborah, are you with us? You might not be able to be heard. Do you want to try dialing back in if you're having trouble with the connect? Why don't you dial back in and we'll take Tony's question and we'll come back to you, okay? Sometimes that'll interrupt that cycle and get you right back into being able to be heard. Tony B., how about your question for right now as um, Deborah's dialing back in? Okay, thanks. Is that me, Tony B? Yep, yes, for you. Uh huh. Hello. Hi. Thanks so much. Hi, my name's Tony B, and um, I am a compulsive overeater, um, recovered in Scotland. And um, thank you so much, Elena, for this wonderful talk. I think some of this may have been answered already um, when the um, other caller asked about signals from God. But I was going to ask you if you could talk a little more about prayer being um, both talking to fellows, myself and God, listening to fellows, myself and God, and hearing the message, um, prayer being hearing the message. And I think you've, you've kind of answered it in your signals question, but perhaps you have something else to add. Thanks so much. Thank you, Tony. Hi, Scotland. Um, beautiful country. So, um, yeah. Okay, so prayer, what a prayer is. <clears throat> Prayer is, again, not only one form, one way to, to, to do something. Prayer, I do pray in many, many ways. Um, prayer is when I'm with another person is what I say, what I say to the other person, you know, such as when I say like, gosh, you know, you're a loser, and I can't believe I did that to me. Well, that's not prayer. That's just me and my stinking thinking, you know. But when I say, listen, 
I'm so glad you're here with me today and I get a, to be a part of your journey and I can I get to just hear you and get to know you, right? So that is a form of prayer. That is how I put my, um, that's how, um, that's what I say to the universe, actually. I, I talk to the universe when I talk to, to others. Um, so that is a form of prayer. Now, then I need to pause and, and I need to allow the other person to say something to me. Now, I, I can't just go on and on and on and I help you and I help you yesterday. I'm going to help you tomorrow. And then in one year, blah, 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 blah. No, I need to pause and I need to hear and listen to the other person. And when I listen to the other person, I try to understand what they are saying. I listen to understand. I don't listen to respond. That is a form of meditation. And you know, in that, um, in that connection of speaking, when I'm with my higher power, you know, from my higher power, through my higher power, pausing and listening and hearing is God. That connection is prayer meditation and connects me with God, just like step 11. The purpose of step 11 is that I have a conscious contact with God through prayer and meditation. I can have conscious contact with God through having conscious contact with the other person. And I hope that answers your question. Thank you very much, Tony B. And we're going to open it up for Deborah M. to ask her question. How are you doing, Deborah? Yes. Can you hear me okay? Oh, we can. See, that was the magic. Oh, I'm so glad you dialed back in. Okay, let's hear your question. I did. Thank you for those instructions. Okay, thank you so much. My name is Deborah M. I'm a compulsive recovered overeater from Western New York. And thank you, Elena. I am looking at step 11. So we want to improve our conscious contact with God. You Maybe you can allude on that. Um, you mentioned about listening to other people as you look at understanding if that's God's will for you. What do you do or do you have a practice when someone contradicts your sense of what God is telling you to do? They they either say you didn't hear or that's wrong or they they just kind of nudge you and so, yeah, that's all I want to say. Do you have, like, a, a litmus test for that? Thank you. I'll pass. Sure, I do. I don't fight anything and anyone. I surrender. The war is over. And luckily, I lost. And I don't have to struggle to make my point of view and, you know, engage into an argument or fight with people. I don't have to do that today. I can just, through what they're saying to me, whether I like it or not, I can find something that I can use that can help me. And when I don't find that person, it's helpful to them. And I think that was a short. <laughs> Thank you for the question. 
Yes, thank you so much for your question this Very morning. Helpful. Yeah, good. Good deal. Good deal. You know, it looks like we might have time for one more question if there's a quick one out there. As we close, that would be our final one. Otherwise, we can, can move towards the ending this morning if there's not one burning desire with a quick question. Uh, this is Reggie. Hey, Reggie. I will take hey, a quick good. question. Good morning to you. Nice to hear from you. Okay. Well, it may, it, may, it may be just good to get this question out because I am driving to, and thank you, oh. Elena, for that amazing, uh, really amazing, rich, I, I got so much from it. Um, oh. Let's see. So I am driving cross-country across the southern coast in about a week and a half to visit, to visit my family in Georgia. And my my fam, I'm, is that I don't know who's talking. Anyhow, I got it. Uh, somebody's got it. Go we we got it. We got it. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> we'll get it. Yeah. Just keep, okay. Keep thank on track. you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And my and my family is rife with addiction and has been rife with addiction. And uh, and uh, you know I keep thinking about a, a niece I had, uh, the daughter of my sister who died three year, two two and a half years ago. And she was a delusional meth addict before my sister died. And about two, two weeks before that, uh, she stopped using everything and she has turned her life around and become the, the morning evangelical minister for the family on YouTube. And she has gained an enormous amount of weight and has all of these uh, physical problems that she's trying to fix with this and that. And, and, and they, they none work. And I see them as, you know, potentially... The, the weight that she's gained. And, you know, and then there are the other family members, but that I I, uh, <laughs> I have to be a different person with when I visit this time. It's been six years since I've been there. So just anything uh, that you might, you know, be inspired to say or that you could uh, help with. Thank you. All right. Well, take God with you. Take God you got from these 12 steps of recovery. Trust that they have their God and do the best you can and see how you can help them. Certainly, you will not help them if you tell them, well, you have an addiction and look what you did. No. You help them when, you know, you practice these principles in all your affairs. You recover. When you recover, recover, recover. Recovering is only for us when we have God. God is there too, you know. And remember, God for me is one breath away. God is one breath away. It's as simple as that. Thank you very Thank much you for, for that question. answer. This one breath away. Power is one breath away. That's a beautiful note to end this particular meeting on. That is our last question for today. And be aware that we will be getting Elena's contact information. Thank you so much for offering offering your heart and your soul this morning. It was a wonderful presentation. So we're going to close this morning our meeting as we do in our usual fashion here at A Vision for You by reading from page 164 in our big book. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick, 
the answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until 